Welcome to Climify, the podcast that connects climate scientists and design educators together so that we can help combat our climate crisis in our classrooms. The discussions on this program are geared to help you climify your syllabi to assign projects that not only teach design fundamentals, but also can have a positive impact on our climate. This episode is brought to you by Renourish. Renourish is your one-stop online resource for sustainable design and systems thinking strategies and tools for the graphic designer. You can learn more about Renourish on their website at re-nourish.org, or you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Renourish. Hello, and welcome to still season one of Climify. It's our wrap-up episode where I'm joined today by one of the climate designers, founders, Mark O'Brien who was also important in launching this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk today about our thoughts and what we learned about listening to season one of Climify and go deeper into our own thoughts and ideas and next steps, really, what could lead into not only season two of the podcast, but into other great collaborations with design educators, climate scientists, and beyond. We'll also talk a little bit about the successes of the season. I, I do think that there were many and that a lot of good things happened. So I'm excited to have Mark on today to talk about season one and let's get going. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having a few minutes today to join me uh, on the program and to share your thoughts about how the first season went. And I'm interested in hearing all your ideas about where uh, we could take the show next, as well as how this could influence what you're doing over at climatedesigners.org. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, super excited about season one, excited about all the guests that we had, and even the spinoff series that uh, two of our, our team members, Rachel Cifarelli and Grace Turich, produced called Deep Dive, where they actually approached me and you saying, hey, we love what Climify is doing. We would love to unpack this through a young designer's perspective. And so they created this whole five-part series called Deep Dive, where they obviously from the name of the series yeah. dove deep <laughs> into dove deep into most of your interviews. And uh, yeah, so if, if, uh, if you're listening now and you haven't checked out the Deep Dive series, you can, you can still find it where you're finding the Climify episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think over the last couple months with season one of Climify, we've been doing a lot of behind the scene updates with all things CDEDU. So we'll get into a lot of that as well on this call, on this, on the show, I should say. And, yeah, uh, this is a show now. This is not a, yeah, this a Zoom is, call. <laughs> there you go. We're official. This is official. Yeah. I have to say though, that the deep dive outcome was one that I was, I think, most excited about because uh, it demonstrated that the podcast had merit. You had two listeners, two young designers who um, were inspired by the guests, were inspired by the topic, and they decided we're going to make a whole podcast about that. And as you know, podcasts are a lot of work. So they, I, I think they, what, what did you say that November they came to us or of 2021 or was it December? something like that. But that was like, gosh, it took them like months really to get all of this going. And I, I'm super happy that, that happened. I, I did not expect that to, 
to take place. So it blew me away a little bit. That was one of my favorite parts about doing this was seeing something like that happen. Yeah. And I think just to bring this up too, this brings up the spirit of climate designers. A lot of the programs that we offer, offerings, whatever you want to call them, a lot of them are actually created by our members. They approach us saying, hey, we love what you're doing. I want to contribute X, Y, Z. What do you think? And mm -hmm. through conversations and some idea generation, brainstorming, we come up with a with an offering. And that's what happened with Rachel and Grace. And yeah. it just it just shows the spirit of our members when it comes to them seeing a gap or seeing something that is missing in this larger conversation when it comes to design and climate change. And knowing that we are a growing movement of designers taking climate action, they're like, hey, this doesn't exist. Can we use the climate designers platform as a way to do that? And then, yeah, we give them the support. We give them the, the platform. And so it's just a perfect example of how we're all collaborating together to make climate designers a thing. Yeah. And Rachel, Grace, if you're listening, please do more episodes. You were really both great at this. <laughs> This is your first podcast from what I understand, but you did such a good job. So if you're listening, um, please do more. I had a good time listening to, to all five episodes. And then when you told us, oh, we're only doing five, I was a little sad. I have to say, I was a little sad. I wanted more. <laughs> and who knows, maybe they'll spin off and do a, a completely different climate I designer so. related podcast. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we're excited to keep working with them. So Eric, I want to call out an article recently that is the driver of this episode. You recently wrote on Medium highlighting season one of Climify. Yeah. And so we'll definitely put the, the link to that article in the show notes. But when I read it, I was like, yes, let's dive deeper into some of these takeaways. Mm. And you listed eight takeaways in that piece. And so let's unpack them. Okay. It took yeah, me a while yeah, to get let's... to that point where... I could write this stuff down because it you know, mm -hmm. ended the show in December and then um, it's a lot of work. And so I just needed it's, some headspace. It's a lot. Yeah. Kudos to you for not only producing and hosting and editing, but also just synthesizing everything and, and putting help. it all together. And, and we're going to make that known at the end of the program. We're going to have a, <laughs> an opportunity for yeah. volunteer work here. All right. So your first takeaway you stated yes. to learn more about the basics of climate change. Students want to do something about it, but need guidance. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That was something not only that I've experienced as an educator, but I heard multiple times throughout the season and, and the eight takeaways, I didn't try to get eight. They were just there. They were woven into all the episodes. So I remember Catherine Poole talking about this. I think she, that was episode four. And then, of course, Rachel Cifarelli talking about this more at length as when they were design students. And I heard it from Lisa Zimmerman. Students really want to do good, whether it be just good design or, or make a difference. And around climate, what I heard throughout the season is that not only educators, but definitely students just want to know more about what they can do because it's overwhelming the amount of like bad news you hear and eco-anxiety 
is permeating throughout, I think, a lot of our students and educators and everyone else. And so I think they just want to know what they can do. And that's really an important takeaway from that first season. Yeah, and I think the the thing that we have to overcome is the feeling of being overwhelmed so that people don't do anything because when they're in this state of, I don't know where to start, I don't know what to do, they just freeze. And we want to avoid that. We need people to step up and to contribute in some form or another. And one of the things that we have done with uh, Climate Designers EDU, which we call CDEDU, so we'll reference that throughout the show is to we created a starter kit full of resources to understand the basics of climate science, sustainability, and a lot more. It's just a simple Google Doc, nothing fancy, but you'll find it on climatedesigners.org slash edu. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we, we purposely uh, put just enough information in that doc to not overwhelm an instructor, an educator right. who is just learning all of this for the first time. So we have links to articles and videos and all the things necessary for that educator to just start to, to get a grasp of what all this means, both on the scientific level, sustainability level, and a lot of other levels. So uh, definitely be sure to check out that resource. It's a simple Google Doc. We should probably make it prettier, fancier at some point. But, <laughs> We're designers. Uh, we should do that. We should. We have a lot of other stuff going on with climate designers, but yes, uh, definitely you'll be able to find it. Yeah, yeah. Great. So I want to move on to the second one. This is something that really stood out for me. You you stated, be authentic, share what worries you, admit you don't have all the answers, but inspire hope as we need, as we indeed can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that also was stood out to me too, because I think a lot of times as educators standing up in front of the classroom, we feel like we should know everything, right? Like we feel like some of us let our egos get away there, but you know, that we do know everything, but we don't. And I think that's, we should just admit it to the students because some of them also think that we know everything too. And it's just not true. We don't have all of our shit together. Sorry. I would love to be in that position where I had all my shit together, but sometimes we're a little bit of a mess and we need to let people know that. That came up in the Rachel Ciferelli episode, Catherine Poole episode, I think the Lisa Zimmerman episode from the season, just be yourself. I even, I think the first episode with Jasmine Sanders, this is something that she alluded to. And I totally agree with it. I I have been in conversations with students and I'm interested to hear why it stood out so much to you too, Mark, because in my own like teaching experience, I'm having conversations about climate and I'm listening to the students and I'm not really sharing my feelings, just facts. And then retrospect, I think they want to hear how I feel. Am I scared too? Yeah. 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 I think I'm, I'm not nodding my head listening to your response and with this particular class. So I, I teach a climate designers class at California College of the Arts in San Francisco. And this is my, I think, fourth semester. And it's a tough class. It's a tough class, period. Cramming both design and climate into a semester. And so I'm still learning how to put all this together. And I'm tweaking every semester. I'm tweaking things and fine tuning how I, how I 
approach the topic or topics and how I approach the project and all that stuff. But uh, nonetheless, we do have these tough conversations at the start of every class. I try to bring up some sort of relevant current thing that's happening in the world that relates to climate change. And it's, we do talk about a lot of hard, we talk about fear, we talk about anxiety, we talk about the future, what that will no doubt look like. And we have these tough conversations with students and I very much share with them how I feel. And if anything, it's a nice opportunity for me to be open and honest with other people, even if they are my students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a lot of conversations that I have with people around this topic, uh, you're right, Eric, and when you said we, we tend to be looked at as the experts in the room or the, <laughs> the people that have it all together, and there's not so many opportunities where we can just let our guard down. And I make it very clear myself that I don't have all the answers and that I'm learning this stuff as we go. The way that I frame it is that humans have never as long as humans existed, we've never experienced what we're experiencing and will no doubt experience ever. And so there is no guidebook. There's no business as usual. There's no best practices. This is all new for all of us. And I think the moment that we can just acknowledge that as much as there's science and technology and solutions and approaches that already exist out there, which is amazing, we really do need to just acknowledge that this is going to be hard and we're going to run into road bumps and dead ends and we're going to fail and we're going to, but we should step up and learn from those failures and keep going. And there's a, I'm going to bring up two more things. There's a a tweet from, I follow this woman, she's in the education space on Twitter and I'll put the the link to this actual tweet because there's a graphic to it. Her name is, I hope I pronounced it right, Ana Lorena Fabriga. And there's a, she has a tweet in there with a graphic. So the tweet itself says the average teacher provides ready-made knowledge. A good teacher introduces new ideas. A great one introduces new ways of thinking and problem solving. And in that Mm -hmm. graphic, she shows the teacher that is signified with a blue dot kind of on the top of the students. And it's, here's what you need to know. And then all the students below them in the traditional classroom setting. And then there's another graphic below that, that, that has the teacher in the center and all the yellow dots are around the teacher. And the teacher says, there's a little speech bubble that says, let's figure this out together. And you have all these little arrows going back and forth between students, between the teacher. And I show that tweet, I show that tweet at the start of uh, this semester. And I um, tell my students like, look, I don't have the answers. Let's figure this out as we go. If you ask me a question and I say, I don't know, let's research it. Let's figure it out together. And I think another, yeah, yeah. And going back to climate anxiety and feeling hopeless and just having these hard conversations, that is one of the reasons why the semester long project that we do, it's more on the optimistic, hopeful side of things. And so the the project that I introduced, and I've been doing this project for the last, I believe, three semesters. Again, I'm tweaking things, I'm changing things around. But the how might we statement basically is how might we support existing climate solutions to become widespread and adopted? Hmm. Being in the climate space as a professional designer for six or so years now with my clients and the work that I've seen, there's a lot of great approaches and solutions that's addressing all things climate change, right? And so instead of having a design project focused on stop doing this, stop doing that, or 
this is the state of the world that's going to happen if we don't do it like all this negative stuff mm -hmm. i want to focus young designers energy and talents towards positive and hopeful solutions and approaches so what we do is we do the research on who's doing what out there we use project drawdown as a foundation and we want to highlight what's currently going on so that if, if more people know that these things are happening organizations and companies and and whoever is making all these solutions and approaches happen, then that'll hopefully get more people involved, get more people right. to want to help those that are doing that kind of work. So I'm trying to address the anxiety, the, the fear through the, the project challenge itself. So that at the end of every semester, not only do they have a great project in their portfolio, but I hope that they have a, a better perspective when it comes to our climate breakdown. Yeah, it makes sense because you said you don't have a lot of time in the class. You don't have basically teaching climate, teaching about design are two different degrees for four years. So you're trying to amplify existing solutions is what it sounds mm -hmm. like. And as opposed to them trying to reinvent the wheel and learn all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. I'll steal it. <laughs> no, and I, I, at some point I will put some of the, uh previous projects on the website. For those listening, definitely uh, stay tuned. So moving on to the third takeaway, Eric, um, yeah. and we can probably go a lot deeper into all these, each of these takeaways probably could be a whole episode. <laughs> but we'll, they might be in the we'll, future, uh, we don't know. They, they might, yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the third takeaway, advocate for sustainability and climate to be a foundational element in your design curriculum. I thought this was a right. really great takeaway that you got. And I talked, I got a lot of that listening to some of your episodes as well. So yeah, let's dive deeper into that. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about this offline many times, just that I, it started for me, like back when I first started teaching and I was trying to bring climate and sustainability into the curriculum and the powers that be were told, telling me like, if you do it, it has to be an elective. And I thought, okay, better than nothing, but the students had a choice. They could take this class sustainability, or they could take all these other fun classes on pop culture and animation. And why are they going to choose mine over all of this? And it didn't seem right. It didn't seem right that something so important to our own existence was an elective. And I heard this from other people, not just in this season, but it seemed to also resonate throughout the season that this is, the earth is our home, provides for us. If it can't provide for us anymore, then we won't be here. That sounds like a foundational thing. This isn't like an elective you might take. It's You need to learn about the basics of our planet and how it works as much as you need to learn how composition and color theory works to be an effective designer because we see the implications now of overconsumption, planned obsolescence through design, and we're getting into worse trouble. So that that's what I think about it and why I think it was a big takeaway. Yeah, especially when you're teaching mostly teaching young designers who still haven't formed their habits yet so like when you're learning composition typography color they're 
they're a sponge, right? They're, they're just like absorbing all this stuff because they don't know any better. So what better time than that point to incorporate this stuff in there as well, but not as a, but not as a separate class, but have it integrated into all of their foundational classes, as opposed to having them go to a traditional four-year college, learn the basics of design, the foundations of design, and then have to go into the workforce where they then go, oh man, maybe I should learn more about the sustainability stuff (laughs) when it's already years past. And it's a lot harder for them to learn some of this newer stuff when they've been building out their own foundational learning from school and maybe from their first or or second job. And one of the things that uh, I want to use this as an opportunity to bring up, one of the things that we've been working on over the last few months, bringing up Rachel Seferelli again, is something called New Wave. And so New Wave is her baby. Again, another initiative from one of our members that approached me saying, hey, Mark, I have this thing. I think she might have shared it in one of our in one of our virtual events, and I reached out to her, and she was like, "Hey, could I use Climate Designers as a way?" Or maybe I even asked her. I don't know. It's all these project origin stories get muddied after a while, but nonetheless, it was another initiative from our member from a member of ours, and we used our resources and our know how to to really dive deeper and help her bring this project to life and to make it into a bigger thing. So if you haven't checked out New Wave, definitely check out New Wave. It's uh, if you go to climatedesigners.org slash edu, you'll see a link to New Wave, which is the first ever initiative that centers students' experiences at the intersection of climate change and design education. And she's been interviewing, I believe, 20 plus students over the last couple of months from lots of different schools, different majors. And she put all this into this first ever report and I'm super excited about it. I've been working with her on developing that report. She's been an amazing collaborator. She's been, she's very passionate about this kind of work where she wants to bring this conversation into classrooms as well. And this new wave is her attempt to do that. And the PDF is full of testimonials. From It's full of data from Rachel's research and a whole lot more. So if you're an educator and want to learn how you can bring this content into the classroom, but and more importantly, what students are saying and what they're wanting out of their departments, out of their educators. Yeah, I think it's academic, right? She's doing that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of a punk rock thing too, which you could appreciate is that if the teachers aren't teaching it, we're just going to do it. We're going to bring it into the classroom ourselves. This is the voice. Another one of the voices that I hear in that report is like, hey, educators we want to work with you and if you don't we're going to do it anyways that's what it kind of sounds like to me yeah exactly she she definitely fits the diy ethos just do it herself and uh, i believe she's oh actually yeah now it's coming to me she started it as a project in her thesis class and then she then shared it with our community that's right and then i reached out to her and said hey would you want to do this at a larger scale. And yeah, so yeah. it's all coming back to me now. Sorry, Rachel, if I flubbed the intro to that. This is why Rachel but, um, needs to do another podcast because then she can go deeper into this even further. Actually, speaking of, I'm, I'm now that the PDF is, okay, this is, you know, breaking news. First time I'm sharing this, but um, now that the PDF is live, Rachel and I have been working together on creating a, an offering where she goes and, and gives a more 
detailed presentation to faculty and design departments. So we've been working on how to put that together. Uh, it's not just a, a repeat of the PDF, it's her diving deeper into the content of the PDF, as well as how to actually do this, which ties into a lot of the stuff that you and I have been doing when it comes to developing projects and resources and things like that. I'm not sure when this will be released, but stay tuned for that. So no doubt you'll be able to have Rachel come in and speak to your fellow wonderful. faculty members and departments. Yeah. So I'm really trying, I'm trying to make Rachel new wave famous. I want her to speak at design <laughs> education conferences. I'm, I'm trying to get her to that. really own this. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she's really, you know, she's really loving this project. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to uh, takeaway number four, create design ethics courses and make them mandatory. And I love how you have an exclamation point at the, at the end of that takeaway. We <laughs> don't do that, but uh, yeah, I heard Rachel and Grace talk about this on their mini series, as well as Rachel discuss it in her episode. Lisa Zimmerman and, and a few others were talking about ethics quite a lot. And what are the ethics of a designer? Yeah, I've been to a number of different virtual and in-person events over the past three years where the concept of a design ethics course was talked about in these panels and all of that. And I just think you, you can't not talk about that these days. There's so many things outside of climate that ethics are impacting in our lives from what, what out in, in the world happening on a daily basis to what you experience as a professional. So I think it's, I think it should be mandatory and I'm not alone in that. I know. Totally. I totally agree. And the way that I view it, the way that we talk about it with climate designers, is that designers create culture. Mm -hmm. Designers have a, an amazing amount of responsibility. When you hit the publish button, the print button, the whatever button, right? Like <laughs> when you put your work out there in the world, it has impact. It's really a matter of you figuring out what that impact looks like. Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it, and, and of course it's not a, a, there's a spectrum to that, but, but no, I, I totally agree. I think we need to, especially in design education, really start to have these conversations at that level before those design students enter the profession. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there are any schools out there that already have something like this. I don't know if you know of any, Eric. Mine does, University of Illinois. We have a required ethics class called EDGE, which is, it's an acronym for ethics of a designer in a global economy. That's what the university wanted the name to be. But I know like, if you see that on the, I'm taking that class, it's a mouthful. So we just shortened it to EDGE. And that was the class I referenced earlier in the show where I said, I want to teach these topics. And they made it a, an elective. So I'm like, how could ethics be an elective as an optional thing? When some new faculty came to my university and my program, we talked about that and made it an official thing where it is required. And so all students in their junior year take that class. I think that's a big win. <laughs> You're making me think, I'm wondering if this is a good time for all of us. And I'm talking to you design chairs if this is a moment where we reevaluate our electives, like what should we keep as an elective and what elective should be actually mandatory, what should be actually in the core curriculum. But yeah, yeah. But I'm interested in, 
and I'm going to put this out to the audience. If you're a design educator and have something like this in your school or your department, let us know. We, we would mm -hmm. love to talk to you. We would love to learn more about what you cover. This is a bigger conversation, obviously, and uh, we don't have time to go into it, but it would be great to just see what's out there and how can one school, one department teaching a design ethics class support another school that wants to do that? Right. How, can, how could we learn from your program, EDGE, Eric, from SCCA? Like, yeah. how do we then, how do we share some of that curriculum so that we can put this into as many design departments as possible? Yeah. Cause sometimes these course, if you want to create a new course, it could take a year and you had to get mm -hmm. all this paperwork signed off of, and, and that's tough. But if you have something to work from, it's a lot easier. Yeah, lot exactly. Easier. Which uh, maybe is a good segue into the next takeaway. So yeah. The next takeaway you wrote, assign real world projects that inspire and can have an impact where you are. So this one really stood out and I'm biased, of course, because of the work that you and I've been doing behind the scenes over the last few months, which we finally launched. But before we get into that, maybe you can share a little bit about how you yeah. got to that takeaway. I've heard it before, before doing this, this show, but this happened with, I think again, the conversations with Rachel Roz, Godelnik. Throughout the season, it came up with even Akila Stewart and, and such that students, they respond to seeing their things out there in the world. I think it's one of the reasons why creatives get excited to share what they can make with people. It, it doesn't really mean as much, I think, to us if we make something and then put it in a drawer. We wanted people to see it we feel good about it. And so there's something about seeing as well, like something positive happened from a project you did in school. I've had that experience teaching, not so much as a design student. I don't think I've ever really had that experience, unfortunately, but as a design educator, I definitely have seen the difference when in the students, when they saw their work out there, like it meant a little, so much more to them. And even they came back years later after they graduated. And they're like, I always remember that project. That was so cool. They don't have it in their portfolio anymore. Sadly, they moved on from that. They're have a lot more visually interesting work as a professional, but it was a big impactful moment. And that's what I heard Rachel say. I've heard Rachel and Grace talk about it too in their mini series. Yeah, you're making me think. I took a class when I was a design student at Virginia Commonwealth University. I took a class called Design Center for three semesters, and it was a mm. studio-based class where we worked on real projects in the Richmond, Virginia area, mostly That's nonprofits. Cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Shout out to John Malinowski, if you're listening, a great teacher, mentor of mine. <clears throat> and that, <clears throat> that class really planted the seed in me showing me that design can have a positive impact. Mm -hmm. And now teaching at California College of the Arts part-time as an adjunct, we have in the graphic design department, we have a class called TBD, which is taught by my friend, Eric Hyman, another shout out. And very similar where the students work on real projects in some sort of social impact space. And man, wouldn't it be amazing if more design schools had classes like that, or if yeah. maybe all of their classes had that kind of angle real world project in some form or another. It can get complicated clients or community partners and things like that. So of course we want to acknowledge that it can be a bit of a heavier load, but 
could there be tweaks to existing design classes and, and projects that can incorporate more real world components to it? And so this is maybe a good opportunity, Eric, to announce our updated CDEDU project briefs that you and I've been Let's jamming on for the last few months. Yeah. More than a few months. This I felt like this has been like a year and a half. We started a V1. This is a V2. So yeah. So we right. the V1 was we Eric and I with a few other faculty fellow design educators, <clears throat> we put together a, a list of complete projects ready to go. It had everything in there. And again, simple Google Docs. And what we, found is, what we found is that we did some research and interviews over the summer of 2021, I believe. Mm-hmm. It seems like forever and, ago, though. I it, can't even tell you that. <laughs> what, is, what is time, right? Yeah. What is time? And uh, what we found is when we interviewed our fellow design educator peers, we found that they appreciated the complete projects, but uh, they didn't have the bandwidth to just throw out their existing projects and take on a complete mm-hmm. new project. So what we did was this V2 version of what we're offering on the website now are these really simple project briefs broken up by topic or discipline. So if you are teaching, for example, a typography class, then we have something for you. So if you go to the website now, we have really simple ideas to start to incorporate climate science and climate change into your typography lesson. So you don't have to completely overhaul your whole semester project or any project for that matter. You can just add a little bit of of climate flavor into an existing project. We do the same thing with disciplines. I'm sorry, by topics too. So if you're an instructor who's really interested in solar or regenerative agriculture, again, so if you go to the if you go to climatedesigners.org slash edu, you'll click on the uh, project briefs button and then you'll get there. And we started out with, with three each, three on the topics and three on discipline. Uh, very similar format for each of these project pages. We have a few project ideas. We have a list of articles and resources. We have, we're featuring student projects, mostly from Behance, which is a great mm-hmm. resource. If you're, not, if you're not using Behance, we, we highly encourage you to use Behance as inspiration. And then we have a few other things on each page too. So these are this is our attempt to give you all a little a little encouragement to tweak your projects if you're not quite ready to bring on full, complete climate-focused design projects. And so we're starting with these six. If you have any ideas for new other topics, other disciplines, please let us know. We're all ears. And one other thing on this on this page too, on the bottom of the page. We do, and and Eric, you can go into this a bit more. We have assignments that were given by the guests of Climify. So one of the things I love about the Climify podcast is that at the end of each episode, Eric asks the guests, if you were in front of a classroom full of designers, what would your design project be? And I love hearing their responses. And Eric has typed up some of their responses. And and now we're offering those assignments, basically those those project ideas as well. Yeah, those are really cool. And I keep on forgetting about that they exist because I'm planning my courses for the fall and, oh yeah, wait, we, there's some ready to go. I don't need to do much planning. They already did it for me. And they're really interesting because they come from, some of them are not designers. A lot of them aren't designers. And so hearing their ideas for design were, I don't know, it, it, revolutionary in some respects that I, I would never have thought to have done that. So. That's why I like those so much. 
Yeah. And you said, you said the magic word fall, right? So like we know that <laughs> spring semester is about wrapping up. We are recording this mid-April. So we just have a few weeks of spring semester left and we have the summer to not only enjoy and take some time off, but to not me, I have to teach in the summer, but get outdoors um, at least, right? Yeah. To get outdoors unpack this the spring semester and then at some point plan your fall semester so we really hope that you all head to the new project page and just use it as inspiration feel free to use those complete design projects or the climate by assignments and let us know please let us know if there's right. anything that we should change update add if you want to contribute please let us know we're really wanting to provide a database really for these projects so that we can get this into classrooms as, as fast as possible. Yeah, agreed. So moving on to takeaway number six, every system needs to change. Use systems thinking in your classroom to better visualize the problem, the big picture and the detail so that you can locate leverage points for interventions to create solutions. So I know Eric, you're all about systems thinking. So it was, little, it was yeah. great to see, it was great to see that in here. I was a little wordy on that one, but yeah, this was coming from the episode, We Need to Break the Wheel, it was with Ruth and Alden. And when they talked about that, like every system that we have needs to be rethought. And as someone who in, spends a lot of my time in the world of systems thinking and trying to figure out how to design using that, one of the big takeaways from systems thinkers is that you and I, Mark, the listeners, we're, we're not to be blamed for the things that go wrong. It's the system that's messed up and it's causing these things to happen. And so thinking in that way, we can find opportunities, like I said, for intervention to as designers, as creatives to help solve some of these wicked problems, really like our climate crisis. So it wasn't just Ruth and Alden that talked about this. Roz Godelnik did, Akila Stewart did. They didn't use those same words, well, kind of, right? They were talking about, man, things, things are messed up for, for a lot of different people. And if you're a person of color, a person in, the, in different communities, you're going to be more affected by our climate crisis than maybe those in the middle class. So uh, we need to have their voices heard. We need to have them help co-create solutions. And so what better way to do that is to look at that whole system and where does it need to be fixed? Where does it need to be completely redone? And I, I don't know how to do all that. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I think you start with just understanding what systems thinking is and how as a designer you implement that in your work. Yeah. And one of the things I'm going to put Eric on the spot as I unpack this hey, takeaway is my show. You can't do that. I'm, I'm, I, I, I reached out to Eric and Michelle Feller, who's a colleague of, of ours and Michelle and Eric have been working on a lot of stuff as well together. And they have been putting together this amazing offering centering around systems thinking, where they talk about the topic and they go much more into it. And they 
yeah, they put together this amazing presentation and this workshop. And I invited Michelle, Eric couldn't make it, but I invited Michelle into my climate designers class this semester. And she did a great workshop on casual loops, which is, is it a, what would you call it, Eric? Like a, a, a tool or, or a- Yeah, I would say you so. Know. It's definitely yeah. a tool. <clears throat> yeah, a tool within the systems thinking toolkit. And so the students were able to apply where they were currently on the project to that workshop. I loved it. And um, so if you're out there and you're wanting, I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to promote Eric and Michelle. If you're wanting <laughs> this kind of work to be brought into your classroom, I highly recommend reaching out to Eric and Michelle to bring this into your school or your classroom. They put together an amazing notion page and workshop. I don't know if you have any other workshops that also touch upon. We're, we're working, thinking. we're working on those. Like we wanted to start with the basic couple and then build out to see how they went. We're guessing they're going to go well. So it's good to hear that they did. Maybe we can do some of the more, the other ones we're thinking about too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, maybe, uh, yeah, just reach out to Eric if you're interested <laughs> in bringing this into your classroom. And as we wrap up, I'm going to combine takeaways seven and eight. Sure. So you have invite climate scientists in your classroom, as well as invite those already affected by climate change to your classroom. And I thought this was really a really great point to separate from just the climate scientists, but also people who have been affected by it. Like what a powerful opportunity for students and educators to hear from people that have been affected by it, whether it's through a flood, a storm, any sort of, yeah, it's just, it's, it's important to hear those stories to put a face to the news, right? I feel like a lot of this stuff, we were only talking about statistics and data, we're not really doing a great job of, at least in mainstream media, bringing up who is actually being affected by it. But whether it's those affected by it or climate scientists, I think it's really important to just reach out to people, especially climate scientists, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're wanting to share what's going on to as many people who would be willing to listen. And yeah. so I'm wondering, Eric, if you can maybe go into ways to find these people, how to approach them, yeah. How do we bring these people into our classroom? Yeah, with the first, the climate scientist part, and if you're at a fairly big university, maybe not in, in your case, because it's more of an art school, Mark, at least if you're at a university with different, there's physics department, there's, you can just look in on the website and, and see who's doing what and just reach out. That's what I did. And that may become the inspiration for this show, really. Let's just ask the climate scientists what we should be doing and, uh, or the experts. There's a lot that we're on the show, listening to their episodes in, their, in your classroom. If you can't get one, I, I know people who will just play one of our Climify episodes to their students or have them listen to it outside of class asynchronously and uh, talk about it later on. But definitely they're on Twitter. You can DM them on Twitter. And that's what I've been doing is just hustling, trying to find them. In terms of the other one, those affected by climate change, it may not be as hard as you think because two of our guests, Jasmine Sanders and Catherine Poole, both had spent some time in Louisiana and were affected by hurricanes and tropical storms, flooding. Even if you were impacted by a terrible storm in the Midwest, you were affected by what's going on in the world of climate. And so it may not be as hard as we think to locate people affected, unfortunately, but 
if you're trying to do a little bit more due diligence and get folks from other countries, and I know Jasmine Sanders mentioned, and I think even Akilah Stewart did, people who are working in unsafe working conditions and like Bangladesh, that's going to be a little bit harder, I would say. So I think it's a matter of like network, who in your network, putting a call out on a social media uh, tool that you use and have people like tell their story about how they were affected. I think it's, I think it's super powerful because just think about what we've been going through in the pandemic, right? Some people unfortunately misinformed about the virus and then it affects them. And then all of a sudden they're evangelists to get the vaccine or be more careful, right? I, I see that this is the case for a lot of the, the people affected by uh, climate change. Like they take it seriously, but then it happens to them and they really become um, part of the movement. So they're, they're powerful voices, I would say. Love it. Love it. More perspective, more voices in, in this conversation. Exactly. Yeah, Eric, I'm, again, I'm really appreciative of you writing that Medium post and us being able to dive deeper into your takeaways. And as we wrap up this episode, but also wrapping up season one, what does season two look like? Season two, I started to think about more holistically, I think, because of the guests from season one. You can't divorce race from climate right? You can't divorce any issue from climate because climate is going to impact all of our wicked problems with even more severity. So that has really been a guiding principle for season two. And it's all from the guests. The guests have informed the next path. So I've been trying to find people for season two that yes, are in the climate sphere but also ones that are maybe tangentially connected to it or ones that are working in areas that can be influencers to people working in climate issues of race and ethnicity, indigenous rights, other kind of social justice topics. So I'm broadening my search. They're not just climate experts. Great, great. And if someone is that person or knows someone who could be a guest, how do they get in touch with you? I think the best way you can go right to our um, Instagram page, the Climify podcast page, my email, you're welcome to email me. It's ebenson at illinois.edu. Yeah, there's, those are the two best ways to get in touch. Great, great. And as we get into season two, uh, I know that a lot of this was a labor of love on your end, but seems as if we might need some extra help <laughs> with, with oh some of this. God. And with climate designers, it's been more or less an all volunteer uh, initiative. And so this is a labor of love for everyone involved, but uh, Eric, it seems as if you might need some extra help for season two, huh? Yeah, I think it w- a would be nice scenario. We're looking um, for what we would call a podcast manager for season two, one that works with quality control, content accuracy, help with press releases, communicating from social media perspectives, and and helping with some of the production schedules. Locating guests even would be a great help. Awesome. Great. And so 
if that's you who's listening, uh, definitely reach out to Eric. We'd love to have you on the, not only the CDEDU team, but on the larger climate designers team in general. We right. were a bunch of lovely people. We meet up once a week on Fridays. And yeah, it's <laughs> been great to, to see so many amazing people yeah, step up and push this whole initiative and grow this whole initiative. So Eric, great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for coming on the program. And it was a good idea of yours to do this kind of wrap up episode. We're looking at summer 2022 for season two. And until then, have a great rest of the semester and, and we'll join up when it's a little bit warmer. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to Climify. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To catch all the latest on Climify, you can follow us on Instagram at Climify Podcast. Climify is part of Climate Designers. Learn more at climatedesigners.org slash edu.